pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Felder scored in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Well, it's gone from PVL ball to Tommy Turbo ball. The guy can do no wrong. Is this the best vein of form in the NRL era? Does this make him the best fullback in the game? Stick around and find out. We have the full complement tonight and all four of us tipped five out of eight in round 20 last week. Friendy, you were uh, amongst the five out of eight crew, of course. Uh, you also had it big on the South Sydney Rabbitohs to demolish the St. George Illawarra Dragons to win by 40 points or more and Latrell to score a hat-trick. That was your bold prediction. How'd you go? You came pretty close, I thought. I did come close. It was pretty bold. Um, hello, guys. Hello, Bo. Uh, pleasure to be here again. So, Latrell scored two, nearly scored three. Souths, they won by 36, not 40. So, didn't quite get there, but uh, for something which I thought was pretty bold, um, not too bad. Yeah, it was one of those weeks for us, I think, where there was a, a few near misses, even though we, we all got five out of eight, which is probably, you know, maybe a bit below average for a few of us and above average for me. Um uh, we all did pretty well with our bold predictions. Like my bold prediction was that uh, Jared Wairia Hargreaves and CSCY Takeaho would run for 150 meters or more against the Eels, and Isaac Liu would join them with 100. Unfortunately, they all got 100, but none of them got 150. So like, I was kind of, if I just made it a little bit less bold, I would have got that one. But you know, that was that was pretty much on the on the right track. Kieran, uh, you said that the Storm would have the best defence officially in the competition with the least points conceded at the end of this round, and you came very, very close. You needed the Storm to win by 30 points, and they won by 27. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Scott Sorensen, who had only he was playing his fiftieth game on Sunday, decided it was a, a good time to score only his second try of his career and uh, spoil my uh, my bold prediction. But uh, good on him; it's um, good for him. And uh, yeah, a, a close one. I can't be too disappointed. His try scoring strike rate is deceptively similar to my bold. Uh, strike rate, by the way. Two out of 50 is not too bad for me. Miles, though, you can add to your collection. Uh, you said that Manly would cover the spread, which was 17.5 points against the Sharks. So basically, you said that they would win by 18 points or more, and they just snuck it in. Yeah, look, it, it wasn't the boldest of bold predictions, but I've, I've gone a bit bolder this week, so I certainly feel a lot better if my, my bold gets up this week. And just to rub a little bit of salt into your injury there, Friendy, Kieran mentioned to us during the week that uh, that your bold prediction from last week, if you had said it this week, which was that Manly's back three would score six tries combined, you would have got it this week. Yeah, I would have. I went off a bit early. Uh, might not be the first time for me either. <laughs> <laughs> what did we learn last week from round 20? Uh, I, to indulge my inner and frankly, quite outer Cowboys fan, I've come to the realisation that building this team back up to a decent contender for the top eight is going to take a bit longer than I had hoped. 
that was a very disappointing game against the Broncos for any Cowboys fans out there. They, they really probably should have won that one or at least made it a lot closer than a 19-point victory to the Broncos. The only signings they've got coming in, uh, they had Lachlan Burr was the only signing for this year. Then you add Tom Dearden in mid-season. He's been okay, but I think he's a fair way off an NRL standard halfback. They've signed Chad Townsend on big money for next season and beyond, which uh, he's probably on the wrong end of the NRL standard halfback scale. And then Peter Heku, who I think is a solid enough signing, but fairly unspectacular and hopefully for a bit of a bargain price. So with not a lot of quality coming in, not a whole lot of depth in in the squad. Uh, some big holes all across the park there. I'm uh, I'm getting ready for a, a long winter, if you will. And Kieran, you're a Cowboys fan. I'm I'm assuming that doesn't sound too good for you. No, it's uh, but I, I think you're completely right with your prediction. It's uh, yeah, not looking good for uh, a few years. I might start buying some wooden spoons so I can throw them at the Cowboys Glees Club next year. Um, Kieran, what did you learn from last week? Uh, I've got a, a little bit similar. It's a, a bit of a prediction, but I think it'll come true. I learned that there are six teams that I think would knock the Eels out of the, out if the finals were on right now, on current form. Uh, I can't see that changing before the finals start, which is why I've got them going out in straight sets this season. They do have Mitchell Moses named to return this week and, you know, they were a lot better with him there, but they were completely flaccid against the the Roosters, weren't they? 28-0 against, you know, a Roosters team that are are doing it tough and we will talk about that very soon. Miles, what did you learn from round 20? I'm so glad that you guys brought that up because I learned just how important Mitchell Moses is to Parramatta, despite uh, Clint Gutherson and, and Reed Marnie regularly drawing more headlines. Um, the Eels have, have looked totally lifeless without Moses. They've scored just 10 points in uh, the last fortnight, and uh, it certainly doesn't get any easier this week against uh, South Sydney. Um, but with the halfback back in the fold, uh, it should make at least keeping up with the, the high-scoring number. It's not quite as difficult as scoring has the past few weeks. Yeah, Mitchell Moses gets a pretty of a, a bit of a, a rough time from a lot of commentators, including us. We've we've definitely given it to him, particularly from his Origin performance. It, it, it was a bit humbling to hear that he played most of the game with a with a fracture in his back or something similar. But uh, he is important to that Eels team. I think you're dead right about that, and it will be interesting to see if they respond this week with him returning. Friendy, what did you learn from round twenty? Bo, I learnt this week from round twenty that the Tigers are allergic to making the finals. They're just, they're just determined not to make it. They haven't made it since 2011. Um, they were playing an understrength Warriors team, and that's probably putting it lightly. They had it all there to play for, um, and they just couldn't get across the line. And even at the end of the game, it's just a comedy of error, errors where they were on the attack looking to pinch the lead late in the game. Uh, Offerhand Gowie nearly scores, plays the ball, and what do you know, there's no one at dummy half, and the Warriors just pick it up and run away so yeah it was just such a tiger's performance and they're allergic to making those finals it prompted our our good friend chris waring who is a, is a big tigers fan to say that it's the worst loss he's ever seen from the tigers and i thought maybe hyperbole i thought maybe recency bias but it was a very very disappointing effort wasn't it and considering that mathematically uh finals were within their reach. If they if they win that game against the Warriors, who barely fielded a team, they're they're one win outside the eight. So that's uh, that's very disappointing indeed. Let's let's move on to our wildcard awards. 
Um, I'm going to play off a Rabbitohs one. Mine is the... Yeah, I, I totally did an equal share of the Group Project Award, which goes to Cody Walker and Jai Arrow. <laughs> after Latrell Mitchell literally swatted away six attempts at tackle with minimal footwork and just pure brute strength. He was he made 37 metres. He got the ball on the 40-metre line. He was dragged down by the seventh and eighth attempt on him three metres out from the line. The shift goes left. Cody Walker throws a nice inside pass. Jai Arrow dies over the line for a try. Then suddenly it's just like, oh, well, Cody Walker try assist. Jai Arrow try. Latrell Mitchell, zero official <laughs> recognition. Zero. And he did all the work in the group project. So uh, the, the yeah, I totally did an equal share of the group project award goes to Cody Walker and Jai Arrow. Friendy, what do you got for us this week? My wildcard award this week is the Are You Talking To Me award. So, And it goes to Des Hasler, much like Robert De Niro uh, talking into the mirror in the great movie Taxi Driver. <laughs> uh, Des Hasler, he must have taken his mirrors up with him up to Queensland and given it to the big boys, uh, Paseca, Olakoatu, Tapao and Sipley, because they are just running over everyone. Uh, I think they've realised how big they are from looking in Des's magic mirror. And um, I think they're going to do some damage coming into finals. Miles, what's your wildcard award for this week? Well, Cody Walker's already won. Well, he's already won one wildcard award this week, and he's, he's going to win mine too. I just want to give him a shout-out for, um, you know, he, he plays for, I'd say, arguably the most hated club in the NRL, C- certainly in Sydney. I know the, the, the tone of is a bit different up in Queensland, but um, he still sort of holds a, a relative amount of popularity, I would think, um, among the NRL community, and it's a, a testament to what sort of a man he is. And he's backed it up this week with uh, his nomination for the, the Ken Stephen Medal. Um, he's been recognised for starting what I believe to be uh, an Aboriginal-focused sort of mental health program. It's called Rising Warriors. Um, look, it's a bit easiest thing for, for, for Walker to just worry about football. Um, it's, argue, you know, it's arguably South Sydney's biggest season since they won the Premiership in 2014 with, with Wayne Bennett leaving at the end of the year and, uh, and Adam Reynolds as well now with that window potentially closing but he's that's not the sort of guy he is um, you know he's, he's ever community focused and he, he should be applauded for the, the good work he's done in his, his backyard this year and what has been a, a really big season he's been winning a bunch of awards recently the uh, the doing the equal share of the group project the uh, obviously the nomination for being a good dude for the Ken Stephen medal uh, the best ledger award a couple of weeks ago uh, from Daniel uh, yes. Friend as well uh, <laughs> where he got tackled by Lachlan Lewis but yes indeed a great shout out to all uh, nominees of the Ken Stephen medal of course they do a fantastic job and I wonder how much of Cody Walker's uh, charitable existence is, is based on the fact that it took him like to the age of 26 to get to grade. So he's had to grind and grind and grind. He's obviously a talented dude, but he grinded and grinded and grinded away in those lower grades. Um, I think he was in East Brisbane for a while too, if, if memory serves. And and now he's... And was he not... Was he not uh, in the, the Melbourne Storm system as well? He um, was in the Titans system first. He's a ah. um, Northern Rivers, like Ballina area. Um, up that way, the Titans picked him up and then, yeah, went to Melbourne. Yeah, so he's been in a couple of systems there and obviously uh, worked his way to the Rabbitohs and he's found a really good home and he is one of the best five-eighths in the comp. In a few weeks' time, I'd love to have a talk to you guys about who the best five-eighths are and where he ranks, but later on we will be talking about the best fullbacks in the comp 
seen as though uh, we've got Tedesco and Mitchell and Pappenhausen and Ponga and Trevojevic all going great guns. Kieran, what's your wildcard award for this week? I've got the Shane Trunk Award for a Herculean effort, which goes to Patrick Tiernan for his effort in the men's 10K on Friday night. If only the current Cowboys would play with half the heart of Trunk or Tiernan. <laughs> That's high praise for Tiernan, frankly, um, putting him in, <laughs> in the same lofty field as Shane Trunk, uh, a man well known for brilliant stats. Like He used to get... 30 tackle assists a game this man um and not to mention not to mention his hands on hips numbers were just off the charts so tnn tnn did get a a pretty good hands on hips as he was making his way towards the towards the end of the finish line but uh, i know that it's a personal connection for you as you mentioned in the shout out last week kieran so uh well done to to your old mate uh he did Australia very proud, I'm sure. And he was it was one of the highlights of the Olympics, frankly. So, a great sure. award. Um, let's move on to the news. Now, the Roosters decimated the Eels, much like their roster has been decimated this season. They've, they've lost three uh, club legends, all legends of the sport, to retirement through injury, which is Boyd Cordner, of course, uh, Jake Friend, who is a club legend, and then, of course, Brett Morris, who is a literal legend of the sport. All three of them retired this season. Not to mention Luke Keery out with a, a long-term injury, uh, Joseph Suwali, a whole bunch of other people out injured at various times throughout the season. And it's prompted me to think, well, it's prompted Kieran to think, as he put it on the, on the run sheet. <laughs> Thank you for that, Kieran. Um, is there, because they're, oh, they're doing so, so, so well, despite the mounting injury toll. And we saw a stat the other day that they've, They've had the most long-term injuries, which are long-term injury being five weeks or more for one particular player at one time. They've had 16 at least this season. That's the most by any club by quite a distance. And they're still there or thereabouts in the top four or five. How are they doing that? It's club culture, obviously. But is there another example in recent times, in our memories, where a club has come even close to replicating this kind of amazing run despite injury and I, I throw it to you Kieran because you came up with the, with the suggestion yeah. uh, I, I really struggled with this one I, I couldn't think of many examples yeah look I, I wrote the question and then I immediately thought of getting rid of it because I couldn't I couldn't really think of much but uh, I, I do think I'll, I'd have to go with the Roosters this season I was meant to do the ladder predictor before we came on to see where I I think I had them finishing seventh but if I did it today I reckon I'd have them maybe even coming top four. Um, so I think it on that it has to be the most impressive, but I've got to give a, an honourable mention to the Cowboys in 20, 2017 when we made the grand final without our co-captains Thurston and Scott. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, I would also give a shout-out to the Cowboys of 2005 making the grand final uh, despite having Shane Tronk in the team. Uh, really, <laughs> a really, really good effort as well. Friendy, did you have more luck? Did you come up with uh, any injury-riddled seasons for other clubs that did really well? Well, there's certainly injury-riddled clubs, but they didn't do any well. So, they, yeah, no good at all for anyone else. It just shows the resilience of the Roosters. Um they're yeah such a strong club culturally not only have they had all those injuries but their two co-captains have retired so um jake friend and boyd cordner being out as well that leaves a huge hole on the field in terms of experience i understand they're still around the club and everything but yeah i, I can't think of anything 
or any other team that's gone as successfully with so many injuries. Miles, it's it's hard to think of a, of a better example than this. So I guess I'm, I might throw a bit of a, a question without notice to you. Um, what is it about the Roosters that, that makes them not susceptible to the amount of injuries that they seem? I mean, obviously, they're somewhat susceptible because otherwise it'd be a dead set premiership contender. And I just don't think they are this year because of the injuries. But they're still there or thereabouts and they could challenge and get to a prelim final potentially. What is it about this club that that enables them to just keep getting up? Well, it's a lot of different things, I'd say. Um, the, the number one thing I'd point to would be Trent Robinson, but I think closely behind that is the fact that um, you know, you, you've got a, um, a 30-man squad or, or roster or, or whatever you want to call it, and I'd say that uh, just about you know, 29 or 30 of those players for the Roosters are, are, are NRL standard, where... There is look. Put it blankly, there are some teams in this league where not even thirteen are really NRL standard. Um, so they've got amazing depth. Now it's it's not the same sort of depth that the Storm have, where they've got guys like Harry Grant and um, Ryan Pappenhausen at present coming off the bench. That's incredible, but it's a different sort of depth. It's uh, a depth where there's there's no real weak links uh, up and down the roster, and there are some teams out there, especially at hooker. You know, Jake Friend obviously retired, and then there's uh, Sam Verrills and Fre- Freddie Lussick. There are some clubs out there where Freddie Lussick, who was the, the Roosters' third-string hooker, would probably be starting for them. Not to mention the fact that both of those guys sustained heavy injuries throughout the year as well. So they had to have guys like Adam Kieran, who was more of a, a 5'8 or a centre slotting in at, at hooker, and, and he did the job. They all just seemed to slot in and do what needs to be done. Victor Radley's a lock, but he slots in at hooker a bunch. Like... There's a, there's a number of examples as to why they are one of the best clubs in the league, despite their injuries. And I think you touched on it with Trent Robinson. You could very well mount the case that Trent Robinson is one of the best coaches the NRL era has seen. Uh, he's got a fantastic record. And despite like maybe one season in 2016 where they had an absolute shocker, they came second last uh Mitchell Pierce was suspended for eight weeks for that situation that he had, and Latrell Mitchell was playing fullback, and he was great, but uh, everybody else was struggling, and it was a, it was a really dogged year for them that year. But prior to that, they had three minor premierships, so <laughs> and then they were straight back into it with 2017 and onwards. So he's one of the great coaches, but I think there's little doubt that the two greatest coaches of the NRL era, in my opinion at least are Craig Bellamy and Wayne Bennett. Now, Craig Bellamy has got this storm team, as you said, Miles Pappenhausen, Harry Grant on the bench. You know why? Because Brandon Smith and Nico Hines are in the starting side. Like, it is such a good team. And they're priming themselves for a tilt at defending their title that they won last year. But there's a couple of teams on the horizon, and obviously the Panthers are chief amongst them, but the Rabbitohs are there or thereabouts, particularly with their lethal left side attack and Wayne Bennett in his very final season has a chance to go out with one last premiership now I, I Kieran poses the question to us and I'll start with you friendy if Wayne Bennett does manage to guide the Rabbitohs to a grand final and say they they match off against the storm and maybe even beat the storm does that make Wayne Bennett the best coach of the NRL era or does Craig Bellamy hold that or is it someone like Trent Robinson or heck, even uh, Ricky Stewart? 
Short answer, no. Um, Bellamy's the best for mine, and, and I think um, the difference is uh, Bellamy is, in terms of coaching, Bellamy works and coaches his roster to become great, whereas Bennett seems to already have the roster in place and he's a fantastic man manager. Um, the one thing, if that did occur, obviously Wayne Bennett would be the first man to win premierships at coaching at three different clubs. Um, Jack Gibson's won at two different clubs and so is Wayne Bennett. Um, having said that, I just, yeah, I, I can't go past Bellamy. He's taken guys like uh, Cameron Smith, for example, who Brisbane didn't want um, a bar of when he was a kid and turned him into, um, obviously with Smith contributing heavily as well, but you get guys like Smith and, and Cronk, who was a utility. Um, Bellamy turned him into the Australian halfback as well. So, yeah, Craig Bellamy's the best for mine and I, I think it's by a long way. You ask anybody... Um, around this, the Logan Brothers Club. And I did have some people that I used to know that used to coach at that junior level and as Cameron Smith was coming through. And he was just one of those guys that would, yeah, he'd probably make the Brisbane district team. You know what I mean? But he wasn't, he wasn't a standout. You know, he wasn't one of those kids like like a Kalen Ponga, for example, where you're just like, you've heard about this kid since he was 15. You just knew that he was going to be a first grader. Like Cameron Smith was not that kid yet he became potentially the greatest player we've ever seen. Uh, and that a lot of that goes down to Craig Bellamy. You're, you're dead right there. Miles, do you have a similar take on this? I know you're a big fan of, of Bellamy and his approach to the game, uh, as all of us should be, really. Uh, is he the greatest ever, or does Wayne Bennett have a legitimate challenge, considering also the fact that Wayne Bennett did uh, win State of Origin last year against all odds? Uh, well, that's exa- actually exactly what I was about to raise uh, in, in case for Wayne Bennett. Um, for me, his achievements on, on multiple counts and, and at multiple different clubs stand above Craig Bellamy's achievements for me. And, and look, it's hard to say who's the better coach without having been coached by both. Um, I wonder how many players there are that have been coached by both. I know Israel Falau is one of them. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how many others there are out there. But, um, <laughs> I'd love to start a conversation with Israel Falau, actually. That'd be really good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Good. Um, Go on. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> look, now Bellamy, th- thus far, he's only been the, the head coach of one club. Um, you know, watch this space for the, the Brisbane 2 club, or who knows. But um, And he did fail at, at state of origin level, I think it's fair to say. Um, uh, and he, of course, has as many years on Bennett um, in terms of his youth, obviously. <laughs> but look, I think at this stage, um, Bennett is, is comfortably in the lead for me, given his achievements. So, state of origin, uh, premier at multiple different clubs. Um, I think he's also um, he, he was an assistant on that um, incredible uh, New Zealand World Cup winning team. And and you know, yes, he's since out his international reputation after the uh, England coaching stint that he he, um, he went through, but he, he's achieved on multiple levels where Bellamy has thus far only achieved on one. Friendy raises a good point about like if he can win with the Rabbitohs here, it would be the first coach in our history in this country to win at three different clubs. It is worth mentioning as well that right before he went to the Broncos, he took the Canberra Raiders to their first ever grand final, losing to the Seagulls in 1987. He also uh, took the Knights to a preliminary final, uh, but that might be a, a sore point, Friendy, because that started a hellish time for your club <laughs> with some with some back ended contracts, uh, and mm. maybe that speaks to your to your view of Craig Bellamy, but I, I will touch on Kieran here. Like, Kieran, uh, you're, you've been uh, avidly watching the game for almost a couple of decades now. In that time, 
Bellamy's had the most success, but uh, something about his legacy will always be slightly tarnished because of that Storm situation. So I, I wonder if how you feel about obviously his legacy, but also like who is who is the best of the of the two. Yeah, I've, I don't really have too much of a... I don't taint uh, Bellamy's legacy with what happened um, to the Storm, but uh, I do have Bennett edging at the moment. I, I think he's just a little bit more clutch, and he actually has a grand final win over Bellamy in 2006. Um, Wayne Bennett has gone to eight grand finals, and he's only lost once, whereas Bellamy's record, whilst still brilliant, as Miles was saying, just isn't as good with if you count those... Uh, titles that were stripped he has five from nine wins or, or three from five counting the legal ones um they're still amazing but uh i just think bennett however has also done it in the origin arena as we've said uh so i think a, a bennett win with the bunnies this year over bellamy would certainly see him get my unequivocal vote um and a bellamy one i would probably say i actually couldn't split it anymore if if the storm do get up against the bunnies it is that tight. Friendy, I'll, I'll give you uh, a chance for rebuttal here. They've, the, the guys have mentioned the State of Origin arena. Uh, Bellamy, yeah, he, he obviously didn't win a series. Uh, he had a few goes at it, I think. It was a pretty red-hot Queensland team, though. Do you, do you think that we can hold that against Craig's legacy? Or, or do you think that, well, Wayne Bennett managed it against last year's Blues team, so maybe, maybe that speaks just a little bit to Bennett? If we're counting State of Origin when Craig Bellamy was coach uh, as a coaching influence on the series, then we're saying Mal Meninga is a better coach than Craig Bellamy. So I don't think that has any bearing on the Bellamy versus Bennett um, yeah, talk. I, I just think Craig turns players like, oh, just for example, like a Chris Lewis like, who was Chris Lewis two years ago? And now he's coming off the bench, doing his job. Um, he looked fantastic last week for Melbourne. Uh, just players like that that are on the scrap heap, he coaches and moulds them into players that, yeah, can um, end up winning premierships like Nico Hines last year. So, yeah, that, that's why I think he's the best coach. Bennett, best man manager, no question. And I think he's, obviously, his record's outstanding as well. But, yeah, Bellamy, best coach for me. They must have been a formidable team when they worked together at the Broncos uh, before Craig Bellamy took his post at the Storm. I do remember, of course, that Craig Bellamy was the coach of the Baby Broncos against the West Tigers in 2001, where they completely surprised them when Wayne Bennett was on origin duty. And uh, it would be lovely to see them team up again in some sort of capacity, wouldn't it? Just Just to absolutely... Like, just have a, a, a flawless season. You'd have, like, every game, like, would just be a win. And you'd have, you'd just get a whole bunch of guys like Chris Lewis or, like, Christian Welsh is probably a good example. That's a dude yep. that was just, like, a ham and eggs, to use a Miles expression. He's um, <laughs> a ham and eggs, like, middle forward. And he's turned into a top five front rower in the game. That'd be a, a fair set statement, wouldn't it? Like a top five, yeah. right? Like that's that's insane. Tim Glasby's probably another one. It's just a guy that just did his job. Uh, Dal Finucane has improved heaps since going to the Storm as well, and now he's worth two point six million dollars across four seasons. Uh, it's it's um it's something about the Bellamy touch. I'm probably going to side with you here, Friendy, just to have a little bit of a make it a little bit of a debate, I suppose. Um, I think Bellamy is the stronger coach, and if we are talking about just the NRL era. I would say Bellamy because a lot of Bennett's legwork and premierships were before the NRL era. Um, but of course, we're just talking about 
it's it's like it's like comparing chickens with books like <laughs> like bellamy <laughs> is that is the coach uh i just looked around the room and i saw a stuffed chicken and a book so that's <laughs> that's where i went with that um bellamy is probably the stronger coach like you say uh friendy but Bennett's ability to get a team primed for exactly the right moment for the big occasion for that big game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rabbitohs are there in the grand final, like we said last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Rabbitohs win against the Storm with the Bennett factor. But Bellamy does get my pick. The main course today is who is the best fullback in the game? And, and, the, and the question is prompted by Tom Travojevic's outrageous season that he's had so far now we i think coming into this season there was little doubt that james tedesco was the correct answer for number one and correct in the sense that no one would argue with you but nowadays i think you could mount the case that tom travoyevic may well be the best fullback in the game so what i did was i asked the guys to give me a list of their top 10 fullbacks in the nrl now for full disclosure it doesn't have to be the current starting fullback in your team. Ryan Pappenhausen is obviously eligible for this, despite being on the bench. Joey Manu is obviously eligible. He's a he's a centre at the Roosters because he's behind James Tedesco. Um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek is not eligible because he has since left the NRL. A player like Chance Nickel Kluckstar is eligible despite being injured. So... I've asked the guys to put together their top 10s. Uh, the number one player was given 10 points, number two, nine points, etc., etc., right down to number 10 getting one point. I've tallied them all together, and I've got a top 10, the above-the-horizontal top 10 fullbacks. I haven't told the guys yet, so let's see how we go. Number 10 is a person that has just edged out the center from the Roosters. So, Joey Manu came in at number 11, by the way, guys. He he snuck his way into the top uh, top 11, I suppose. Uh, before we jump into it, actually, I will mention that the Queensland State of Origin fullback for games one and two, Valentine Holmes, did not get a single vote from any of us. Kieran, you're a Cowboys fan. <laughs> it must have been tough to leave out a Cowboys man. Uh, just looking at his season this year, if, if you go back to 2018, I think it was, maybe when it was his last season, I would have easily had him here. But um, going on this season, he's just squandered uh, squandered too many chances. Um, yeah, it was actually not too hard to leave him out. So, number 11 was Joey Manu. Now, number 10 is a, a young-ish fullback, but he has been around for a few years. He's, he's a very industrious fullback, gets through his work. A good athlete, not the fastest, but very, very safe, and he plays for a brilliant team. It's Dylan Edwards with four points. Dylan Edwards is the 10th ranked fullback. I'm going to throw back to you, Kieran, because you actually had him highest on the list. Um, What makes Dylan Edwards a top 10 fullback? Uh, I think his uh, defensive positioning, he's... Pretty much, I don't recall him ever really um, not being there for a kick. And uh, the way he carries back the ball um, to, to start off the sets for the Panthers, he regularly beats one or two tackles, and then he, he regularly runs for 200 meters plus a game. Uh, it's just so handy to a, a, a team like the Panthers that are such a momentum team. He gets them on the, the front foot straight away. So I think he deserves his place in the top 10. Number 10, Dylan Edwards. Number 9, currently injured for the Canberra Raiders. It's Chance Nickel Kluckstar. Miles, what makes Chansey a, uh, 
a top 10 fullback despite being injured. And he's pretty low price tag. He's only getting about 350k a year. Well, that makes him a fantastic fullback for Canberra. Though. He'll be to a pay rise sooner or later from one team or another. But uh, look, he's a, he's a great runner of the football. He, he jumps into the play on offense, uh, especially... Uh, when the Raiders are in the the opposition's half and uh, generally makes uh, very few mistakes, which is, uh, I guess, the the low bar that you want your, your fullback to leap. But it's still surprisingly, um, you, you know, every every fullback makes mistakes, but um, Nico Klockstad seems to make uh, comparatively fewer um, when compared with the rest of the league. So I think he's a, a pretty good fullback for the Raiders to have, especially on that price. So Dylan Edwards got four points. Chansey got... Six points. Now, there's a bit of a jump up to equal seventh. There is no eighth place. There's two blokes that got seventh with 13 points. It is someone that, that has filled in for New South Wales at fullback in Origin 3 last year after an injury to James Tedesco, Clint Gutherson, and someone that's filling in as fullback for the Storm, Nico Hines. Now, uh, Friendy, I'll, I'll throw to you because he's a local to your part of the world. Uh, Nico Hines has certainly climbed the climbed the ranks this year, particularly if you consider the fact that Clint Gutherson may have been maybe a top five fullback in 2020. Um, Clint Gutherson's had a bit of a fall from grace, and Nico Hines had a huge climb. Yeah, certainly. He's jumped right out of the ground, Nico. Um, I think he's right up there in terms of try assists this year. Um, and it's, yeah, as, as we're talking about the good coaches before, it's amazing what they can get out of uh, guys that were not quite regular first graders. Um, so, yeah, Bellamy certainly worked his magic on, on Nico there. And Gutherson, um, yeah, he's probably a little bit lower than what he has been over the last few years. I'm not sure whether that speaks to... Parramatta's form at the moment that we've all sort of yeah gone a little bit lower with Gutho, but he certainly brings that energy. He's the barometer uh, for their team, um, the Parramatta Eels. And I actually think in terms of maybe not off the field, I don't know him or anything, but in terms of on the field smarts, um, he's actually quite a smart footballer. So he's always ready to take that quick tap or if the ball goes out and they're behind, he's always the one to go grab it. And yeah, I don't mind Gutho at all. Miles, I'll just quickly throw to you here because uh, Gutho, you've you've given him a bit of stick over the years for not being the most athletic fullback going around in terms of pace, but he is the kind of guy that always gets the job done, uh, or most of the time at least. Do you think that maybe his slight fall in the rankings compared to what he would have been last year is possibly attributed to a pretty poor origin debut? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's I think when I think that's the proving ground for um, every uh, elite fullback or, or superstar fullback in state of origin. They usually all get their crack at, at some point in their careers. Um, even the New Zealanders in, on the international stage. Um, and Gutho failed massively in in all his cracks that he was given in the the state of origin arena or has thus far. He may redeem himself. Who knows? But. I think that has certainly sullied everyone's opinion of him just a little bit. Someone that has not failed thus far in the Origin Arena uh, and someone that has only been given a couple of opportunities due to injury, but he was very impressive at fullback for Queensland last year in his one game. He slotted in, in on the bench a couple of times this year, particularly at centre, marking up against Tom Trevojevic. Number six is AJ Brimson. Kieran, AJ... Uh, 
seems to kind of sneak up. He's, he's maybe like one of these under the radar types of blokes. He's had a couple of like length of the field tries in his career, but apart from that, he just seems to do all the little things right. Yeah, he's uh, always. I think I've said this before, but I think he's probably the best support player in the league. Um, always bobs up when someone's uh, about to break the line, and he's fantastic at doing it himself. Um, I think if he could just uh, improve a little. Maybe some other areas, uh, get a pass into his game. He could possibly move up this list, but a, a brilliant fullback nonetheless. And a very deserving number six with 18 points. That puts him five points ahead of both Nico Hines and Clint Gutherson, which brings us to the top five. Now, it's a pretty predictable top five, but maybe not the order of it. So we're going to start off, and speaking of support play, like you did with AJ Brimson, this guy is a support play machine to the point that he scored four tries in the first half against the Broncos this year, uh, pretty much all through support play. It's Brian Pappenhausen, comes in at number five with 25 points. Miles, uh, he was one of the most electric fullbacks in the comp at the start of this year and towards the end of last year. Um, top five feels right to you? Yeah, well, I had him at, um, at fifth place. In fact, I might add that um, this thus far has been my exact list in this order. So... Um, I had uh, I had Pappenhausen at five, and look, I think he would certainly have been higher because um, if he'd stayed healthy this year, because he, he probably would have played State of Origin, he probably would have played well, um, and he as a result he probably would have jumped uh, ahead of a few of the others on my list. Um, but that didn't happen, and he he's been hurt. So um, look, there has been a little bit of a hit hit to his stock, um, and as I said, the guys in front of him for me have they've, they've all played State of Origin and played well. So again, he he needs to you know maybe he's more talented than. Um, guys that haven't been mentioned yet, like a Ponga or a, a Mitchell, but he hasn't proven himself at that level yet. And and until that happens, I, I can't in good conscience uh, rank him above those players. Especially considering the fact that just last week, as as the four of us, we were we were umming and ahhing about the idea of who is the best fit at fullback for the Storm for this season. Exactly. I think- I think most of us agreed that Nico Hines was the right call for now with an aim to maybe Pappenhausen taking it back as finals roll around, but that's not set in stone. And uh, I mean, that just speaks volumes to how good Nico Hines is going as well. Uh, speaking of going good, hasn't he absolutely dramatically changed the fortunes of his club side? Kalen Ponga comes in at number four, just edging out Ryan Pappenhausen with 27 points. Uh, Kalen's one of those kind of guys, I think, uh, one of those guys that uh, we love to hate sometimes because the the media jumped on him when, as I said, when he was about 15, 16. Uh, and it was just one of those guys that was sort of announced as the Messiah. And that's a, that's a heavy burden to carry. Now, this guy's, what is he, like 22? He, he wouldn't be much older than that. And he's already a very accomplished professional and friendly. One thing I noticed for the Knights on the weekend against the Raiders People notice the sidestep, the pace, the pass. What they don't notice is the online defense and the organization that Ponga brings to his team. Yeah, I think the organization has been huge. Um, he's been fantastic to have back in the in the red and blue with the boys. Um, he obviously lifts the side dramatically in terms of spirit and on-field performance. I think he's actually been given the captaincy uh, this week as well. So I'm not sure whether that's co-captaincy or not, but it just goes to show that he's also becoming um, a leader as well on and off the field. And yeah, obviously his talent speaks for itself. I'm, yeah, I'm a massive KP fan. 
I have also heard that on the training paddock, he, he has been known to give a spray to his teammates, maybe not a Clint Gutherson at, at Tom Opacic level of spray. <laughs> um, that was fairly, <laughs> fairly brutal. Uh, maybe not Mitchell Moses at Kenny Edwards a few years ago kind of spray, but uh, certainly, uh, certainly has these high standards that he wants to achieve. And it's very good to see from a young player, speaking of young players, that uh, maybe could have gone the other way. Uh, and the bronze medal, position number three, with 31 points, three of us put him at number three, in fact. Um, only one of us had him at number four. It's Latrell Mitchell. Now, Latrell could have gone the other way. He certainly could have. It seems like he's had battles with mental health. Sometimes he's had battles with fitness. Um, but what I'm seeing is someone that is developing into just basically a Greg English clone, Kieran. Yeah, uh, as you said before, um, that run where he, he uh, did all the work but he didn't get any points for the project, um, that was just awesome. And uh, he's gone to <laughs> a, a new level this year, as Bennett predicted. And uh, I, I think uh, he himself too would have predicted that he'd, he'd reach these levels. I think he had a few doubters, but uh, I certainly um, could see that he was going to do special things as well. Like Maybe not, not this good at fullback so quickly, though. Um, but I am now expecting a, a huge final series from him. And I think... Uh, uh, the next two that we're going to announce are very special players, but I honestly think that he could be knocking on the door in seasons to come to that top two. The amazing origin form that he had as well. Uh, and that's the best that Greg Inglis about him is that, yes, he can be a fullback, but he can also be probably the best left center in the game as well. And when, when it comes time to uh, talk about the center position, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get on the podium there as well, just quietly. Now, obviously, the top two are going to be James Tedesco and Tom Trevojevic. And I think in past seasons, it would have been very, very obvious who would have been number one. But part of the reason I wanted to do this particular exercise is just out of curiosity to see where this landed. And number two is James Tedesco with 37 points. So, Mm. Tedesco... Obviously, put in the top two by absolutely all of us. Um, and so was Tom Trevojevic. Now, Tedesco is probably a great of our game now. Um, the best fullback since Billy Slater. Uh, very Billy Slater-like in his approach to the sport. Uh, Miles, you sound a bit shocked. Look, I... I don't think there's um, I don't think there's too many doubting right now that Tom Trebojevic is is probably the the most talented player in rugby league. Um, maybe maybe in in the sport of rugby, full stop. Um, but the way I looked at it, and I, look, I had Tedesco as number one, and, and the way I looked at it is that he dominates at fullback at club level, he dominates at fullback at representative level, and he captains his state at that level as well. You can't, you can't say that about anyone else in the NRL. Um, and so for that reason alone, I, I had Tedesco as number one. And look, were I were I head coach of New South Wales, would I consider swapping to, or, or putting Tedesco on the wing and having Trebojevic at fullback? Maybe I would. I, I'd certainly think hard about it. But while Trebojevic isn't playing fullback at New South Wales level, I can't. I can't in good conscience have him number one. And look, I have no doubt he'd absolutely dominate at that position uh, for the Blues also. But there, there is the 
Look, there is the um, the happenstance that he doesn't. Um, we've seen plenty of players who uh, were brilliant um, at club level not dominate at, at that position um, in, in representative. Look, Greg Inglis uh, jumps to mind for me as a, a guy who was never particularly outstanding at, at fullback for Queensland and when you'd absolutely have predicted him to be otherwise. So, I don't know. I need to see it before I believe it. Um, and, and right now, you know, Tedesco dominates both arenas and and ticks both boxes for me, and so I'm comfortable with him as number one. And oh, I might add also, Trebovic is healthy right now, but who knows next? Who knows tomorrow or the day after that? He's he still does have a lot of injury concerns. Yeah, and and I mean, case in point, he was taken off early by Des Hasler uh, yesterday when the game was assured, and he'd scored his a thousand NRL fantasy points. Um, <laughs> But he, he, um, I think it was like 130, the second most ever or something. It was something crazy uh, in a, not a full game. Just incredible stuff. But apart from that, like it was just the influence that this man, like there was one try that he scored where he just got the ball on the right-hand side. There was nothing going on. He just sort of wandered across and then just broke through and scored. You're just like, this is like under seven stuff, um, what Trevojevic is doing at the moment. But you're right. Tedesco is currently the preeminent fullback in the game. I would make the case, though, that Travojevic kind of did play fullback. Uh, obviously, Tom Travojevic is number one on this list. He got 39 votes. Um, doing the maths, you'll work out who got, who gave uh, him the number one vote out of that. 39 out of 40. But Friendy, why why does Travojevic... Because, I mean, Miles makes an outstanding point there um, to the point that he has me second guessing my rankings, and I guess this is part of the exercise. It's a little bit of fun, <laughs> but um, that's what I always hope for. <laughs> <laughs> um, friendy, like what? What makes Turbo the the best fullback in the game? Yeah, well, Miles does make a, a few really good points there as well. Um, and a couple of years ago, this is how we were talking about James Tedesco. So it goes to show how well Tom's going at the moment. The fact that three out of the four of us gave him the 10 points and, and had him on top. Uh, honestly, last night, and it, it's happened a few games this year, he's dead set taking the piss like <laughs> of, of the defence. He, he's an 18-year-old playing under 12s at the moment. It's just ridiculous. Um, last night, what I noticed as well, and this is what happens with all the great players they all speak about, they have more time with the ball and the defence sort of holds off. The first few games he played this year where he might have scored a lot of tries and set a few up and everything like that, the defence was still trying to jam him and, and put some pressure back on him. Last night, the Sharks' defence literally stood back and waited for Tom to do what Tom wanted to do because they weren't sure what was going to happen. And that just shows the doubt that he creates in the defence's mind. And honestly, I, I think he's on a trajectory that, yeah, we may not have ever seen before. He's, he's phenomenal. Yeah, like, and that's that's something that I picked up on. That was how passive the Sharks were. And it was interesting, in the halftime break of the previous game, uh, the, the Bulldogs versus Titans, the Fox Cell people spoke to Josh Hannay, the interim Sharks coach, and they said, look, how are you going to shut him down? And he said, look, I mean, it's not a matter of shutting Tom Dravojevic down. It's a matter of limiting his influence like straight away you're just you're basically yep. just being like look this guy's too good he's he's on a different planet we cannot plan for him we just like we, we, we will try something but we can't shut him down um that's it that's admi admitting off the bat that he's going to have an 8 out of 10 game no matter what you do um so that's that's something um kieran you also put turbo at number one uh miles yeah. does have some good points like friendy says but uh but what makes him the best 
Uh, look, it is very, very hard to leave uh, Teddy out of top spot, especially after his Origin series. That very nearly made me um, keep him at number one. But yeah, what what Turbo is doing at the moment is just unprecedented. Um, Teddy is one of the best fullbacks of the NRL era, very possibly top two, uh, or probably uh, must be top two. Um, but yeah, I think if um, if, I, if I had to pick any player in the comp to win a game for me with a minute to go, I, I would be picking Tom Trebojevic. And so for that reason alone, I had to I had to have him as number one. He's also one thing that he has brought into his game, which is something that Tedesco has had to bring over a period of time, Miles, is that safety in his game. He's a very reliable, apart from his injury concerns, I'm talking about Trevojevic at the moment, Miles, uh, apart from his injury concerns, he is a very safe player for the Seagulls as well. Very good under a high ball, very, very good in defense, very strong. Um, obviously, you've got Tedesco at number one still in your mind, and you have a good reason to, but... Tavoyevich is a is very, very uh, a very good suitor for the throne, if you will. Yeah, oh no, absolutely. And um as I said, I think he is probably the most talented fullback in the game. Um and and you know, probably the best as well. But um at least in the way that I kind of um you know, carve my rankings into stone, you you need to usurp the uh, person at the top of the, the rankings, and and Trebojevic hasn't done that yet. He, you know, he's a few years younger than Tedesco, I believe. So, you know, maybe in a few Origin Series time, um, the selectors will uh, give him the crack at fullback, and and then we'll see. You know, okay, he he is now the new Tedesco, dominating in both realms, and it's time for uh, it's time for the old uh, the older line to be put out to pasture. But um, you know, right now he he, he doesn't have that. Uh, opportunity to to unseat Tedesco, and he's he's playing too well at, at centre. So that's another thing is that you know you you talk about moving him, but why would you upset the apple cart? You know he's playing so well at centre. He's in some ways he is like Latrell Mitchell as well, in that he if he were playing full time at centre, he'd probably be the best centre in the game too. Yeah, and I mean he's very eligible to be in that countdown as well. Uh, look, guys, thank you very much for your thoughts. I found this a fascinating ex- exercise, and I'd be very curious to find out what our listeners think as well. So, just a reminder: that's Dylan Edwards in tenth, Chansey Nickel Clookstar at ninth, equal seventh is Nico Hines and Clint Gutherson, sixth AJ Brimson, fifth. Ryan Pappenhausen, who's managed to get into the top five without ever playing any representative football, apart from, of course, the Clive Churchill medal in a grand final. Uh, fourth, Kalen Ponga. Third, Latrell Mitchell. Controversially, and very, very closely, second, James Tedesco. And first, Tom Trevojevic. Uh, let's take a quick little break. Uh, on the other side of this musical interlude, we're going to hear from my other podcast, Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, uh, a show that I host with my friend Daniel Lang from the Pioneer Australia. And then we're going to talk about Tom Trevojevic just a little bit more because, Kieran, we got to thinking, is this the best form we've ever seen from a footy player? Back soon. If you like denim overalls, a bowl haircut with a path down the middle, Game Boys and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should listen to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast from the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast about the best movies, music, and TV shows of that great decade. Season two is currently underway, featuring The Big Lebowski, Frasier, 
Rugrats and Green Day, among others. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your favourite pods. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. My name is Bo Nicholson. I'm your host. I'm joined by Daniel Friend, Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson. And Kieran, we were trying to work out because Tom Trevojevich, as we just announced him, uh, not quite unanimously, but he's definitely in the top two fullbacks in the game. And we've got him just at number one uh, across the board here. Is he in the best form that we've ever seen? In the NRL era, at least. Now, I can't speak because we're all... I'm the oldest here and I'm 33. So, I can't speak about anyone that in the 80s. In the 90s, I was very, very young. Um, and and even in the early 2000s, a lot of us were quite young as well. So, the ones that sort of spring to mind, Kieran, are maybe a bit more mm-hmm. recent. But is there anyone that comes close to what Tom Travoyevich is doing at the moment? Uh, last night when we posed the ke- uh, question, I honestly, I, I thought Jared Hayne 2009 had a case and I don't think it's the worst shout. Um, but then today when I realized how many games Tom Dvojevic had played compared to Jared Hayne, uh, I just realized that it's, it's a, a no competition, no non-compete or whatever they call it. Uh, I, I could not give it to anyone else. Um, Jared Hayne was absolutely brilliant in 2009 though. And I will go through just a little bit of what he did because it was fantastic just to uh, see how it matches up he had played 26 games he um over the course of round 19 to round 25 i believe it was he he was man of the match for six uh, games in a row while the eels won seven he won the delhi m that year and i don't know where he was in contention for that before round 19 but just brilliant took the eels from 14th um, on five wins uh, to eight over, as I said, a se- seven-game winning streak at the business end of the season. So they had to keep winning. They couldn't afford to lose a single game. I, I think that that ranks second for mine. But yeah, Tom Tavoyevich, uh, definitely number one. And I think he's the Dally M in waiting this season. It'd be, a, it'd be a damn fine performance from anyone to take it off him at this stage, I would say. And maybe those games that he's missed via Origin or injury at the start of the season might hurt him from that weird sprint that he did um no sorry bathroom injury my bad um (laughs) miles um you're uh you're a student of the game uh kieran makes a good point jared haynes right in the conversation i think i think when people think of jared hayne now his his legacy is tarnished a little bit but that that run of form was i don't use the word lightly phenomenal um, in 2009, but where does Turbo rank for you in terms of the best runs of form you've ever seen from a footy player? Yeah, look, he, he's right up there. He, he may even be number one at present. Um, I, I think we'll have to wait until his form drops off a little bit, if it, if it ever does, uh, to make a call on, on just where it ranks. But maybe the reason that Hayne pops a little bit more than, than Turbo right now is that Hayne was doing it in a, a bang average side. And, and you know, yeah, the, the, sorry, the, the Seagulls weren't playing great at the start of the year, but um, they, they certainly have a, a better roster than that Eels team back in the, did back in 2009. And, and Hayne pretty well dragged them to the grand final. Whereas, uh, you know, it would certainly be a more of a team effort if the Seagulls manage that this year. So maybe that's why Hayne stands out um, all these years later, where maybe maybe Trebojevic's run of form right now will be forgotten in a few years' time. Who knows? Oh, that would be... Can you imagine someone else's run of form being this good friendy that we maybe forget that, that how good Trebojevic has been here? 
Oh, he, he's been absolutely phenomenal. I think, as you were speaking before, Bo, and just mentioning uh, for our, some of our older listeners, and he's my favourite player ever, but Andrew Johns back in 2005, it might be one we glossed over a little bit because Newcastle mm. actually did win the wooden spoon. So I was just having a look earlier today, and Newcastle lost their first 13 games straight um, mm. quite last quite heavily and Joey came back obviously played Origin um, in 2005 and carved up Newcastle then won eight of their last 11 um, mm. still finished with the spoon and John's nearly took out the Dally M in 11 games in the wooden spoon team so I think that was a pretty fair run Hayne absolutely phenomenal um, there's been a few others as well but I think Tom yeah he, he's number one um, and, and by a bit of a way at the moment yeah, I forgot about that, Andrew Johns. I hadn't forgotten about it, but I, I didn't quite put it on that echelon. And I guess uh, sometimes premiership success or at least final success goes a long way towards contributing, doesn't it? Um, but that was that year that Andrew Johns had that, was it a spinal or a neck injury or something? And he came up to Brisbane to get it rehabbed? Yeah, so he did his um, he did his ACL and then came back from that and then copped a jaw um, injury as well so I think he broke his jaw and then came back from that into origin and um, yeah obviously carved up the rest of the season but yeah like you said um, it makes more of a difference if your team's sort of competing for that final spot and I think we remember those sort of runs a bit more fondly. Kieran where does being a Cowboys fan where does JT 2015 sit for you? That's Thurston obviously not Tamalolo. Yeah well after hearing what Miles had to say I I honestly think that I could put Tabojevic at number three at this stage and have JT as, as the second best run and Hayne as number one. Um, I just think that the fact that they went into the finals, and it's the reason that I had, uh, I didn't mention this before, but it's the reason I had Brian Pappenhausen over Pong is because Pappenhausen did uh, what he did in, in the grand final last year. He won the Clive Churchill. I just think if you do it at that, at that stage of the season, I think, as Miles was saying before, for uh, the argument to have Teddy on top, if you're doing it in the biggest games, you've probably got to be held in higher esteem. I, I agree. I go along with that a bit more. Although I had Tabojevic as the number one fullback. Um, yeah, I could easily have Haynes run as number one. It was just... I remember watching every single game and enjoying the, watching the Eels more than watching the Cowboys. I think... I think Miles is dead right when he talks about the Eels being a bang average team that limped into... Well, he, he, they didn't limp in. He dragged them into eighth position and then into a grand final. And it, it reminds, you know, like that Michael Morgan run of form in 2017 is probably a, a close example, but not quite as dynamic because at least he had Tamalolo with him, you know. Uh, Hayden did it all on his own from fullback. It was incredible stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I tend to fall onto the side of did they do it at the biggest stage? Now, Thurston won, like, four Dally M's, so he's he's got a, a, a career full of highlights. Uh, Friendy, you mentioned Johns. He's, <laughs> like, you know, they're basically in the same boat, those two guys. Um but 2015 particularly was a year that I saw a determination in Thurston where he realized that it was like there was a window that, that was closing and he had to, he just had to. And they lost the first three games of the year and they, but they won that golden point ridiculous situation against this. Was it golden point or like just on the buzzer? Yeah. One or two? Yeah. Both actually in that same game. Which yeah. Is right. Just- so on the buzzer to level it and then golden point against the storm in round four. That was just that man determined to do it. I think if we have this conversation at the end of the year, 
And Tavoyevich continues this form, wins the Dally M, and takes what is not a premiership threat Seagulls team into at least a prelim. I think we're having a different conversation. For now, I'm going to leave it at first and one, Hain two, Tavoyevich three, personally. But the, the individual effort in the middle of a season, I can't remember better from, than, from anyone than from Tavoyevich, including State of Origin. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, none of us are wrong. We haven't even mentioned Ben Barber 2012. Uh, we haven't, as, as you wrote in the run sheet here, Kieran, we haven't mentioned Anthony Milford 2021. Um, so, um, like for good reason on that particular front, but the, and there's a bunch of great seasons across across the board. Of course, um, I mean Todd Carney 2010 was freaking incredible. Oh. That root that yeah. Roosters team shouldn't have made the grand final either, but they did. Um, Benji Marshall 2010. Yeah, he like the the Tigers being as much of a force as they were. Of course, yes, uh, he was he was one of the best players in the world at that time. Uh, a, a list the list goes on and on and on, but. Um, Trevojevic is right there, and I guess that's what we can say, is that if he isn't the best fullback in, in the world, well, he's number two, at least. And if he's not in the best form we've ever seen, fuck, he's close. <laughs> he's really, really <laughs> close. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for your thoughts. Let's take a short little music break, and then we're going to get into the round 21 previews uh, in front of a, a crowdless bunch of stadiums back soon. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. I'm joined by Daniel Friend, Kieran Gibson, and Miles Stedman. And we're going to preview round 21 for you. Uh, it was a fairly eventful round 20. We didn't really touch on this very much, the fact that we had lockdowns in Southeast Queensland. So uh, all the Saturday games had to be postponed and were played on either the Sunday or the Monday. Um, and it was, it was a lot of confusion, but... PVL managed to strike up a deal with the Queensland government. They've continued things as for now. And it seems like round 21 is also going to go ahead, despite the current lockdowns in Queensland, or southeast Queensland particularly, um, until at least Sunday afternoon. But uh, if, I'm a, if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, um, <laughs> I would suggest it will go a bit longer. Uh, never mind, though. Uh, until then, we have the Knights and the Broncos on Thursday evening from Sunshine Coast Stadium. Please, Miles. Now, I guess the Knights have a real opportunity here to try and consolidate that top eight spot. They they do. Um, and Mitchell Pierce has been named to return from his injury. Um, but interestingly enough, I've, I'm also seeing that Caelan Ponga has been named captain, which is um, potentially the the writing on the wall there for Mitchell Pierce uh, leaving the club maybe next season. Who knows? Um, maybe Friendy will weigh in on that for us. But um, that means Phoenix Crossland is out of the side. Um, and hooker Jaden Braley also rested. Um, his place is taken by Chris Randall. Um, Broncos, um, Tony Staggs is, is unfortunately um, out of the team. He's he, And he won't be in the team for the rest of the year. He sees an ending knee injury. Um, he's replaced by Jesse Arthurs. Uh, and Danny Levi has replaced Jake Durbin at hooker. Um, but look, um, you know, both clubs... Look, their own kind of impressive last week, I think. Um, they both notched up double-digit wins over their opponents. So um, that's it. It's hard to argue against Newcastle here um, and that they don't have the highest ceiling in this game, especially with Mitchell Pearce um, back this week. That I think the Knights should make light work of Brisbane. 
They should, in theory. Friendy, um, any comments on the on the Mitchell Pearce situation in, in Newcastle and also a tip, I suppose? Oh, I think he extended for uh, at least one more year. So um, I haven't heard any chat about around it at the moment. So I think he's pretty settled there and um, looking to yeah get his life sort of back on track off the field in Newcastle as well. So yeah, I think he'll be hanging around. Um, I'll be tipping Newcastle and I think... We should be expecting to win and win well. Um, I think attitude to defence will be a, a main factor in this. If we concede a few points early, um, it could be a different story, but I'll tip Newcastle. Yeah, I will too. Kieran, what do you make of that one? Yeah, I had the, the Broncos last week and then changed back to the Cowboys, but I've got to go uh, against the Broncos this week and tip the Knights. On a, on a scale of uh, one to yes, Bo, you absolutely did. Um how much did I guilt you into that? I thought so. <laughs> I was uh, I was hanging out with your brother Owen on Wednesday morning before the lockdowns, of course, and I told him that you tipped the Broncos <laughs> against the Cowboys. He was mortified. He was. It was. <laughs> it was like he was like I had. It was like that moment in The Simpsons when Ralph's heart breaks. <laughs> like, like it was, it was like that. Uh, so it was, it was really something. So I'm glad you eventually saw the light and then got the wrong tip. Um, <laughs> uh, Kieran, please don't give us the wrong tip on this one though, because we have the Raiders against the Dragons on Friday night at 6 p.m. from Seabus Super Stadium on the Gold Coast. Uh, yeah. So Seb Chris uh, failed a HIA last weekend. Although I, from what I saw of that game, he wasn't playing too well up until that point. Though, although I hope he's all right with the HIA. So Matt Tomoko takes his place in the centres. Uh, Ryan Sutton returns from a chest injury at lock, so Hudson Young sh- shifts to second row, and uh, Harawira Naira moves to the bench. Um, with Soliola dropping out of the seventeen altogether, I thought he's looked fairly solid the last few weeks. Um, Elijah Anderson is a new face on the bench uh, and is in line to make his debut well worth a a shout out if he does Uh, good luck to him if he does too Uh, the big news for the Dragons is that um, skipper Ben Hunt has suffered a a fractured arm against Souths and will at least miss miss a month uh, potentially season ending uh, his place is taken by Adam Clune, who I think played against um, whoever the Dragons played I forget now but uh, I think he played in the centres and Jack Bird uh, as Friendy was uh, elated in the group chat, he's playing at fullback um, for the Dragons. Uh, Jack DeBellin, Blake Lowry, Zach Lomas, and jo- Josh McGuire all returned from COVID suspensions in a huge boost. Um, and Cody Ramsey is also back and will partner Lomax in the centres. And I've actually thought Ramsey's looked all right um, in the centres, even defensively, uh, which hasn't been his strongest uh, sort of uh, asset or part of his game. Um, and Corey Norman shifts back to 5-8 with uh, Jaden Sullivan dropping to the reserves. Um, look, both sides' season are on the line, and last round the, the, the Raiders were patchy at best versus the Knights from what I saw. Meanwhile, I, I think the Dragons have rolled over the last couple of weeks, although they do get a lot of cavalry back. Um, I'm leaning towards the Raiders with the creative attacking advantage, I think, but Weissen wasn't great against the Knights. I, I will tip the Raiders with no confidence at all. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take the. Uh, I'm an absolute glutton for punishment award. I'm gonna keep going for the Raiders. Uh, I don't really know why. And to to your point about Jack White not being particularly good last week, he hasn't been very good at all this year uh, for most of their games. Uh, even when they have won, it hasn't been necessarily on the back of Heath performances like it has been in previous years. So uh, a bit disappointing from Jack, such a good player. 
Friendy, you mentioned that this could change your tip uh, to the Dragons with Jack Bird moving to fullback. Why is that? Yeah, I just like Jack getting his hands on the ball as much as he can. To be honest, I, I would have played him at six, um, but one seems to be fine as well. You've got Dufty there in the extended bench, so they, they may see a reshuffle somewhere. But um, I think Canberra, yeah, they've, they've been really disappointing this year, and I'm going to go the Dragons, and I think whoever loses this game, their finals race is over because they've both got really hard draws coming home. So, yeah, I'll, I'll have the Dragons this week. And they both have filthy uh, points differentials. So, yeah, you're right. If they, if they get a, a win off the pace with tricky draws, uh, they it could be terminal for either of these teams. Uh, with that said, Miles, who do you like? Look, I, I like the Raiders in this one. I, I, I've liked their form a little bit more of late. Um, and, and look, that 50-burger that the Rabbitohs put on the Dragons last week is just... It's, it's really hard to tip them off the back of that, even though there has been... A lot of player churn with the suspensions and whatnot, but that, if anything, that speaks to more to it. I think there's just no chance now. The dragons. Yeah, I, I sense that, but uh, we'll see how that goes. The next game on Friday night is between the Eels and the Rabbitohs, and that is from also from Seabus Super Stadium. It's a nice little double header for the people of the Gold Coast that cannot attend it um, <laughs> at the moment. Unfortunately <laughs> for them, um, the return of halfback Mitchell Moses is a big one. Uh, as I think you mentioned, Miles, and the things that you learned, how big an influence he has on this team. They were, they were towed up 28-0 by a, a Roosters team that shouldn't have had the strength to do that, particularly with the matching forward packs being quite even. So uh, that was disappointing. Um, of course, Jake Arthur makes way for him. Uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard was out quite early with a groin injury last week, and that would have imp- uh, impacted on their chance against the Roosters, obviously, being gone in the first 10 minutes. Uh, Oregon Kafusi replaces him in the starting side. Uh, Murata Niakore returns on the bench, which is which is good news. Um, Wanga Blake uh, failed a HIA last week, so he may not take his place in the centres, which might be a blessing in disguise. Um, <laughs> that would probably mean that Hayes Dunster comes back into the side and maybe Blake Ferguson would end up in the centres. I'm not sure how that would go exactly. Um, for the Rabbitohs, they've got Benji Marshall coming back. They've got Cameron Murray coming back. They've got Tavita Totola coming back. They only get stronger uh, compared to a t- <laughs> from a team that uh, towed up the Dragons last week. The Eels will be stronger, you would think, but I can't see them being strong enough to turn around a 28-point loss compared to a Rabbitohs 36-point win. I, that's, a, that's a bridge too far, don't you think, Miles? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I think, um, I, I do rate the Eels with Mitchell Moses. I, I think they are one of those teams that their best game could be good enough to see them in a preliminary final, but I think the Rabbitohs likewise are, are a bit too strong. And Kieran, yeah, I'll have to double down on my comments. Uh, in the early stages of the pod where I said the Eels are their season's pretty much gone, I think the Rabbitohs win comfortably. It's very, it's very, uh, harsh words i suppose to say that the team that's running what fourth at the moment is gone but well, it seems to be their, their pattern Braith, doesn't it yeah and if you ask Braith, they might not make the top eight so we'll have to see what happens <laughs> with them so Braith and nasta the greatest uh league analyst that the rugby league has uh friendy who do you like in that one 
Uh, I like Souths, and I think Mitchell Moses, uh, he might have a have to be checking under his bed this week for the boogeyman Keon Kalal Matungi because <laughs> he's going to cop some traffic on uh, Friday night. Well, actually, that's that's true, isn't it? Because Kalomatangi is a, a right edge, and uh, Moses has been on the left this year, hasn't he? So yeah, that would be uh, that would be traffic city, wouldn't it? Yeah, even worse if uh, Jaden Sewer comes on and tries to bang him up a bit. Uh, yeah, I think Mitch is in for a tough night. It sounds like he may well be. Um, speaking of tough times, the Warriors are scraping together a team against the Sharks at Suncor Stadium on Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, Friendy. They certainly are. They welcome back their front row, um, which helps a lot. So Lodge and Adam Fanua Blake come back in, which is a they're they're huge ins for the the Warriors. There, uh, Chanel Harris Tavita comes back from a pec injury, so it's always uh, a bit different to see how guys go after that. Uh, which puts Peter Hiku back into the centres this week, um, the inspirational captain from last week. Uh, the Sharks, are, I'm not really going to go through their side too much now because I think they've just named a side and whatever happens, happens. They did just play last night as we're recording. So um, I'm actually going to stick with my prediction that the Warriors will make the eight and I'll be cheering them on in this. Um, and yeah, I'll be tipping the Warriors. Go hard or go home, says uh, Friendy. You know what? I like the I like your moxie, so I'm going to go with you, Kieran. Uh, who do you like? Yeah, look, uh, looking at the shark side and seeing Connor Tracy in the sixth jersey, I, I kind of thought um, that I, I shouldn't have named Anthony Milford for the 2021 season of best uh, run of form, and I should have said Tracy, but. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Warriors as well. I think the, the Warriors, especially with that forward pack uh, together, I think they can get it done. Yeah, they also uh, welcome Josh Curran back, who has been really good this year for them. And Ewan Aiken was quite dynamic in the back row. Uh, that might be a little spot for him, much like a Jack oh, yeah. Bird kind of performance. Yeah, just quickly on that, Bo, I heard Nathan Brown talk uh, over the weekend and he said they likened it to the move of Bo Scott from the centres to the back row, which he did uh, back in the day and, and you and Aitken sort of fitted that mould. So that was their plan for him. I uh, can't take the dragon out of the boy, hey? Um, all right, <laughs> and, uh, and Miles, uh, who do you like in this game? Uh, I loved the Warriors' moxie against the Tigers. Um, they, they, I think they really sensed a... Um, uh, a team uh, off colour there, the the Warriors. But I look, I'm I am going to tip the Sharks. I, I still I, I don't even know why I do it because both both teams are almost untippable at this stage. But I'm I'm just going to back the Sharks in here. I think they'll have a little bit too much class for the Warriors. Like Homer Simpson trying to d- divorce himself from that rotting Subway sandwich. Um, <laughs> it's it's like me with the Raiders and you with the Sharks. Like we just we're just hanging tough. <laughs> hanging tough. Um, you have the next game, which is also from Suncorp in front of a, a crowdless uh, Suncorp Stadium. Suncorp, uh, hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, uh, you got the the Roosters and the Panthers, and this 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 could be interesting because the Roosters obviously in really good touch against the uh, the Eels last week. Uh, the Panthers still no Nathan Cleary, although he has been named in the reserves. Yeah, he has, um, and Apisai Karasau and Isaiah Yo back um, as well, which is great news for the Panthers. Um, Stephen Crichton dropping out though. Um, so he'll be replaced by Paul Momorowski, um, and he'll he'll also partner Kurt Capewell in the centres, uh, the famous Queensland centre. Um, Brenton Naden moving to the wing. Um, Robert Jennings dropping out. 
there. Um, we're also going to see Tevita Pangai make his Panthers debut off the bench. Um, and Mitch Kenny has also dropped to the interchange bench to, to wait, make way for Karasau, I should have mentioned. Um, and for the Roosters, they're, they're pretty much um, pretty much unchanged. Uh, Dale Copley will, will come onto the wing um, with Joseph Manu back to the centres. Um, obviously, Josh Morris hurt, unfortunately, and Jared Warrior Hargreaves may not play. Um, he's uh, He needs a win of the judiciary to play. Um, so incoming news there but uh either way um i think um look i think up until this week that the roosters looked as if they were sort of just getting by um in their games with all the injuries they've had um and and penrith looked like they were pretty much the, the clear favorites to to lose to them to melbourne in the grand final um but i think uh maybe last week might have changed some people's minds um uh, obviously, East shut out Parramatta 28-0 and, and the Panthers demolished by the storm. Um, uh, yeah, the, the Panthers really looked to be struggling without Nathan Cleary, which I don't think... Um, I think we all thought they would struggle, but I don't think they thought they'd struggle quite as much as, as they have, or at least to the, the tune of like 40-10 to 10 to the storm. Um, but look, I, I don't. I certainly think that they're not struggling quite as badly as the, the Chooks are with, with their injuries. So I am going to tip the Panthers here. I love that you tease Kieran with a 40 to 10 score line, which he was begging for. He was oh, begging. It wasn't quite that, was it? <laughs> it wasn't quite. It was 37 yeah. 10. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I'm going to go with the Panthers, but um, not with a lot of confidence for the, for the reasons that you mentioned, Miles. Uh, there's a few little changes there. No clear. He makes a huge, huge, huge difference to this team. Uh, but, you know, see, if I'm, if I'm Ivan Cleary, I'm just holding Nathan back a week and seeing if these guys can get the job done without him. Luai and Burton are both quality players. They should be able to. But, uh, yeah, Nathan Cleary is just too valuable. Uh, I'll go with the Panthers. Friendy, what do you make of this? Well, while they do have their injury concerns, and there's lots of them, uh, the Roosters particularly their back row, but their forward pack in total, uh, it looks fantastic to me, and, and I'll be tipping them on the back of that in a James Tedesco uh, blinder. Yeah, I'll be going to Chooks. Tedesco, obviously a big fan of the podcast, Kieran. He would have listened to this, uh, heard us dethrone him uh, as the best fullback in the game, and, and maybe he'll turn it on. Yeah, I, I'm expecting it. I've got the Roosters as well. I think I said quite similar to what Friendy just said. I, I really like the Roosters uh, forward pack. I said last week um, up against the Eels and they really brought it to them. And I, he's, they're playing brilliant footy, really disciplined. They don't make mistakes. They really get uh, a roll on with that forward pack. I, 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 I can't see them winning by much, but I think they'll get it done. Very interesting. All right. And, and speaking of interesting, the next game is also from Suncorp, which will be proper beaten up by the third game in the same day uh it's the seagulls against the storm kieran and uh this this will be a litmus test for the seagulls yeah for sure um yeah it's going to be very interesting uh for the seagulls josh alloway alloway returns from suspension for his 100th nrl game pushing curtis sirenin back to the extended bench uh Taniela paseka has regained his place in the front row after taking the early guilty plea in hill be huge to come back in for the Seagulls. Uh, Sibley re- returns to the interchange after getting a start. Um, otherwise, it's uh, a business as usual for the Seagulls. Uh, back rower Felice Cafusi has entered an early guilty plea and will serve a one-week ban. Um, so Chris Lewis moves from the interchange to take his place 
to take his place with Tom Eisenhuth coming onto the bench. Nico Hines has been again been picked at fullback, although he didn't play too long um, from memory against the Panthers before getting hooked. I think he came back on quite late uh, in that game, so we'll have to see how the, the rotation goes again. But Ryan Pappenhausen and Harry Grant are on the bench with Brandon Smith um, also starting. Uh, Kenny Bromwich has failed the HIA uh, and will need to go through protocols. Um, and the Storm are currently still missing Nas, Kamakamisa, Penne, um, with Kamakamisa awaiting scans and Penne expected to be available in the next week or two. Uh, look, I think this I, as good as the Seagulls have been, I just think if they switch off even for a, a small five-minute uh, period, the Storm will take advantage of it. And I th- I just I can see the Seagulls maybe switching off once or twice for those five-minute periods in this game. And, and for that, I think I'm going to have to tip the Storm. There's a little sidebar here. Like I've seen Nelson Asofa Solomon written as N A S, but it's never I've never heard him be referred to as Nas or Nas. <laughs> and the the nineties hip hop fan in me it's just like just wants to get the turntables out and put Illmatic on immediately. Um look I the seven what are they going for? Seventeen in a row this storm? Um Yeah. Until until they have a fuck up, I, I'm gonna keep tipping him uh, Yes, Tommy Turbo's in ridiculous form, um, but I've got to keep going the Storm. What do you think, Friendy? Yeah, I'll be with the Storm as well. I, I can't wait to watch this game. I'm actually I'm disappointed it's not a day game. I think that'd be outstanding. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine, like, Turbo versus Pappenhausen in, in the daytime? Uh, maybe we'll get a, a, a sunny semifinal later on in the season, but who knows? Miles, um, who do you like? Um, yeah, the Storm is still an auto-tip for me, so um, I'm going to go with them. Speaking of a couple of auto-tips, the next game is the Bulldogs <laughs> and the Tigers. Wow. I mean, they, they use... Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is, a, that is a yuck with three capital Ys. Um, it's, uh, they are automatic tips in the sense that you'd normally just tip against them. Um, so this will be quite tricky. They're playing at Morton Daly Stadium at Redcliffe. It's exciting for Redcliffe, even though they can't have a crowd there. It'd be nice for them to have uh, some games there, uh, and hopefully they can get some crowds there soon if lockdown ends. The Bulldogs keep changing around who's at fullback. I suppose if you have 20,000 fullbacks on your roster, you can afford to do that occasionally. I quite liked Nick Meany at fullback a couple of weeks ago, and then they chopped him out to the wing and put Corey Allen there. Now they've chopped him back to fullback and Corey Allen's back on the wing. I'm just really confused about the whole thing. Uh, Belly Beyond the Odo, who I've mentioned a couple of times that I quite like, has slotted in at 5'8 there. Uh, Kyle Flanagan's been dropped again. <laughs> so his, his future at the Bulldogs is looking really, really promising. Um, they have had a couple of decent outs, the Bulldogs here, uh, particularly Jaden Ockenbohr, uh missing out. Uh, that's probably uh, a good one. Um, Falakiko Manu is uh, is coming into the side in his place uh, on the wing. The Tigers have also made some changes. Uh, Dane Laurie, obviously, that, that, that big injury, that's a, a shame for him. He's been one of the shining lights for the Tigers. It means that Moses Mbai is going to slot in at the fullback with uh, Michael Cheekham in the centres. Um, I don't hate the Tigers forward pack with Otoi Kamanu, Tamo, uh, I think Sean Bloor's got a little bit about him, Luciano Lelua, and I think McKaylee's all right as well with Alex Twal off the bench. So there's a, there's a little bit to like there. I'm not sure what they get out of having Zach Cheney on the bench. 
Um, when you have Michael Cheekham in the starting side, that seems like an odd one from Michael Maguire, but maybe that's like a, mull- a mullet penalty. You got to stay on the bench for the for the opening of the game. I'm not exactly sure. Um, they're both untippable, like we've already mentioned. I'm going to go for the Bulldogs because the Tigers were just so disinterested against the Warriors, and it was just so, so poor. Um, yes, the Bulldogs have been poor all year, but they've been consistently poor at least. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna back them in because why the heck not, Miles? Yeah, no, I want to back the Bulldogs in too. But um, t- to me, the, the Tigers seem like that team that... Um, fails an exam and then gets, you know, roasted by the you know, teacher and or parent and then passes the next exam and, and like only just passes. Um almost <laughs> as if to, to kind of do the absolute minimum. So I, I can see them having lost to the Warriors last week. I can see them winning this week. In a close one you reckon. Oh, it's probably not gonna be anything other than a close one. <laughs> I was the kind of kid. I I, I um I failed a like a science exam in grade eight, and then my dad threatened to kick me out to a, a private school. And I had this girlfriend that I liked in grade eight, so I actually studied for once. I got like thirty nine and a half out of forty, like Tom Travoyevich numbers, and <laughs> um and and I passed and I stayed. So maybe the Tigers could actually get like a, a thirty nine plus victory here, friendy on the rebound. Yeah, well, if they can channel their inner Bo Nicholson from year eight, uh, I think I'll be tipping the Tigers and they'll bounce back and and win this exam on the back of Adam Dewey, I think. Also, just quickly, on this game as a whole, I think if if there was a sound effect for each game, this one would be a a fart because it just stinks. That went so much better than I thought it was going to because, like, like you start telling that story, and I thought you're going to do like the bop boom, like that. Sound, no, no, but that was way better. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was so good. Um, I think the next game might be a bop bomb, but before we get there, Kieran, uh, who do you like out of the Bulldogs and Tigers? Oh, well, if it was a, a Sunday afternoon at Leichhardt, a Sunday afternoon game at Leichhardt, it would smell pretty good. It would be a, a cracker, but uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunately, although it's still in a, a beautiful part of uh, Australia, Redcliffe, um, I'm going to have to go to the Bulldogs as well. I think just uh, if the Tigers had their season on the line still, um, I'd probably change my mind, but uh, I think season over, uh, I'm going to go to the Bulldogs. At the risk of alienating some of our listeners, potentially, uh, I don't find Redcliffe that nice. Like, like Redcliffe has a nice little beach area, but apart from yeah, that, it's like it's like Bankstown by the water. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like, like, like those yachts in Parramatta. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> exactly. Um, Friendy, you've got the last game. It's the Titans and the Cowboys from Seabus. Uh, Titans, you know, pretty impressive against the not-so-impressive Bulldogs. The Cowboys... Ah, uh, limper than your granddad. <laughs> there you go, hey. Um, so the Titans, they welcome back Patrick Herbert into the centres. Um, Eason Masters will head back to the bench with that. Uh, Philip Sami will have to wait another week to make his comeback as he's still not fit. Peachy drop, will drop out with an early guilty plea. Uh, and it looks like Aaron Clark will come back in on the intercha- interchange bench. I mentioned him a few weeks ago. I'm a bit of a fan of his. Um as well for the Cowboys, Val Holmes is back after not receiving a vote on the <laughs> above the horizontal fullback rankings, but he's back into the side. Uh, Jake Granville will go back onto the bench for them, which I think suits them pretty well, even though Granville did quite a good job. Um, 
Kane Bradley looks like he's out for the rest of the season as well, and Ben Hampton will come into the centres with Taolonghi shifting back to the wing, which I think suits him much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be tipping the Titans here, but I really it was a really hard choice for me. I, I could see it going either way, to be honest. Um, and, yeah, I guess I'll just stick with the Titans as they off the back of a win this week. We missed a trick, Kieran. We could have gone with Jake Granville for a couple of votes in the uh, in the vote for the <laughs> best fullback in the comp. Uh, but alas, uh, I'm going to go for the Cowboys. It's mostly a, a heart tip, this one. There's no real logical reason for it. But Kieran, I'm curious to know what you think about Tamalolo, who has been shifted from lock forward perhaps the first time in maybe six or seven years in favour of Cohen Hess playing there and Tamalolo moving to an edge where Cohen Hess would traditionally have played. Yeah, look, I, I don't mind Tamalolo on an edge at all and I, I don't mind Hess at lock at all. It'll mean Hess does uh, his 20-minute stints where he's been quite strong instead of um, playing longer minutes on an edge. Uh, and Tamalolo can can hopefully play uh, longer minutes on an edge where he hasn't played long all season. Um, and, yeah, I, I, just for my tip, I, I, I kind of think that the, the Cowboys whatever it was, I think six wins from eight games wasn't a fluke. Um, we, we were playing some decent footy, so I think that we're going to end this, the season with some a bit, a bit of uh, better form, hopefully. Um, I think Peyton's a good coach. I think we could sneak this one. I'm going to go to the Cowboys. I don't think it was a fluke either. I think it was Jake Clifford. <laughs> Jake Clifford yeah. was at the club, uh, and then they <laughs> dumped him and got Tom Dearden, and then they lost six in a row. Uh, Miles, causation is not... Correlation is not always causation, um, but that seems to have gone that way. Uh, there's been a lot of changes for the Cowboys. Do you think it will bear some fruit for them this week? Uh, no, I, I think the Titans will win this one, and and so they should. If they, you know, they're in the eight right now. Goodness, if they lost this one. Yeah, they 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 really should get this job done if. They do have ambitions to play finals football. And I'll tell you what, with that forward pack in the finals, they could maybe spring an upset against the likes of an Eels if Kieran is to be correct about the straight (laughs) sets loss for them. Let's talk about some bold predictions. Uh, I'll go first. Mine is that it'll be a left-side smash-up for the Rabbitohs against the Eels. The Rabbitohs will score six tries between the left winger, left centre, left back rower, Latrell and Cody Walker, but Latrell and Cody Walker's tries will only count towards this tally if they are scored on the left-hand side of attack. Oh wow! <laughs> so I think I think it's a it's a happy day for Josh Mansour for Dane Gagai. Uh, I can't remember who they named at left left edge, uh, and also Cody and Latrell just carving it up on that right side of the eels, which will probably be Opacic and uh, and Ferguson, particularly Ferguson. <laughs> I like the idea of a few tries going past him. Friendy, what's what's your ball prediction this week? Well, as we were speaking about fullbacks earlier, I thought I'd have a crack in that region, and I'll be going six different fullbacks to score across the weekend. Six fullbacks across the weekend. Uh, yeah, that's I can see that happening. Uh, if Tavojevic scores six tries himself... It's against the Storm. I'll pay it. Even if no other fullback scores, but if he scores six against the Storm, I'll pay it. Um, Miles, what's your ball prediction? Well, much has um, been made of Ash Taylor's uh, thus far infamous career with Gold Coast, but l- last week he took full control and um, it looked as if like the Titans finally uh, finding a, a competent halfback to side with him as they finally made him comfortable at 5'8". So, gosh, you would have thought... Um, 
<laughs> I think he'll control the game again this week against North Queensland after they were quite poor last week. Sorry, boys. Um, and I think he'll notch up two tries and another 40-20. Uh, if you'll notice, he kicked a game, uh, 40-20 that last game. It was a very good one too. And I, I do like Toby Sexton, by the way. He's um, The haircut, not so much. But, um, but yeah, he, he he looks pretty he looks pretty good and and Taylor did play very well against the Titans. So that's two try assists and a forty twenty for Ash Taylor against the Cowboys. Um, and the last one, of course, is Kieran. Who do you have for a bowl prediction? Uh, I've got the the Roosters and Panthers game to be a, a very defensive minded one. I think it'll be the lowest scoring game of the round, and I think the Roosters will win by seven points or less. All right, so lowest total uh, score yeah. and yeah. of the round and the Roosters to win by seven or less. Okay, very, yeah. very nice. Guys, thank you so much uh, for your company tonight and for sending through those secret little votes for the uh, the fullback. Let's do... Uh, what positions should we do next week? I think maybe halfback. That'll be the, the next most important position. I think number one will be pretty obvious, but... Jostling for that top five might be a bit challenging. So let's go with halfback for next week. Uh, I also want to say thanks, of course, to the uh, the people, the pathologists at Foresight at 8 Mile Plains. I, I had a bit of a sore throat yesterday morning, guys, so I had to do the right thing. And I went and got my COVID test and uh, I was sat in a car for three and a half hours um, <laughs> trying to get into this drive through uh, test, which was hellish, to be honest. Thank goodness I had the Above the Horizontal podcast to get me through. Uh, I do quite enjoy the dulcet tones of my own voice. And, <laughs> and um, But when I got there, of course, the, the, the pathologists themselves were very friendly and, and very efficient and... I got the negative results, so hopefully very accurate with their work. Uh, I just want to give them a shout-out. Uh, I've got a shout-out for Stuart McSwain and Ollie Hoare, and Hoare actually goes to, to Miles Old School or went to Miles Old School Trinitarian uh, in Sydney. Uh, they're running in the 1,500 metres. Uh, I'm not sure when their semi-final is, but they're hopefully both through to the final on Saturday night. I've got a shout-out to my mate Lawrence, who listens every week, and I just yeah wanted to mention him. He's an avid listener, and he sends me messages about the podcast. So, yeah, plenty about Miles, too. Go, Loz. <laughs> oh, th- thanks. Uh, thanks, Lawrence. What, what, what does Lawrence <laughs> say about Miles? Oh, all sorts of different things. All positive. Oh, oh very good. <laughs> I think he it's lo- all positive out of him. <laughs> <laughs> he, loves, he loves a contrarian thought, I'd say, then, Miles. Uh, what do you got this week? Well, I want to give a shout-out to uh, new Chicago Blackhawks goaltender, Marc-Andre Fleury, who's a Canadian legend. Uh, he's, he's a gold medalist as well, uh, Olympic theme. Um, he was my favourite player growing up, and, and now he plays for my favourite team. Um, he was he was traded to Chicago last week in a, a deal which actually um, made him pretty upset, um, given how connected he was with his, his old team and uh, the community in, in Las Vegas. Um his family was settled there, and his, his kids go to school there. And, and when he, when he was traded to us, it was it was reported that he he might retire rather than uh, to play on. But he's he's decided to to honour his contract and play out what will probably be his uh, his last and his twentieth season of, of hockey, which uh, you know it makes me feel extremely old as well. Goodness. So we've got a, a Canadian legend, and we've got a whole bunch of Australian legends like the pathologists and the athletes, and and Lawrence. Thanks, guys. Australian legend. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>
Love the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.